I don't know if any of you ever watched the weird and wonderful program Britain's Got Talent. Some of you may have watched some of it. There was a series a few years ago when a member of my congregation up in Kendall got into the final. A guy called Steve Hall was a bit of a comedian. And so I watched it because I thought, well, I ought to support Steve and see what's going on. And one of the other acts that was in it was a sort of escape artist, a sort of modern-day Houdini, and he did these various acts where he'd be either lowered into some water with all chained up, or in the escape, or he'd be in a sort of tank or something, or a, or a locked chest or something, and he'd always escape from it. He would be bound up by ropes or padlocks, and then the next minute he was free. I have to say that the thought of doing that will be my worst nightmare. I'm a bit claustrophobic, and the thought of it gives me the heebie-jeebies, but there you go. For some people, that's what they do for their pleasure. Who knows? But having said that, there's a sense that in the Christian tradition, we sometimes think about binding and loosing, about binding and about freedom, about the things that tie us up, the things that bind us that keep us from God and the way in which we need to let go of them and bind ourselves to God and know the freedom that that brings. In the Celtic tradition, some of the early Christians in our land used to very much use those words of binding and loosing. I'll try and remember that some of you are behind me and, and look to you as well, sorry. Those words about binding and loosing were very much part of some of those early Celtic Christians' um, tradition. They remind us that God is the one in whom we trust, and if we bind ourselves to God, then we will be able to trust in him, live in his love, know the freedom that that brings. There's a wonderful hymn that's based on the words of St. Patrick, the hymn St. Patrick's Breastplate, as some of you all know, which begins, I bind unto myself today the strong name of the Trinity binding ourselves to God, knowing the freedom that that brings. And then we come to our reading for today. And as I chatted with Molly before she came down to read it, we reflected it's not an easy passage to hear. At first, it perhaps seems shocking to us, the words that Jesus has to say. But it is a reading about priorities. It's a reading about the things that bind us and about the need to find freedom. It's about recognizing the choice to follow Jesus is not an easy one. And that may well be many of our experience. But for Jesus to actually say, hate your family, hate your mothers and fathers, your wives and your children, sisters and brothers, what on earth? is Jesus saying. Should I call my two sisters and say, hi, it's been great knowing you, it's time to say goodbye. Should I say to Sarah that after 30 years of marriage, it's time for her to find somebody else? She might be relieved, but I don't think so. <laughs> and yet at face value, it seems that that's exactly what Jesus is saying. But we should never just take Jesus' words at face value. So often what Jesus has to say has layers of meaning. It says something about the culture in which he said the words. And we need to just explore what he has to say a bit more if we're to understand what it means for us today. 
So I want to spend a little bit of time looking at those words that he says in verse 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. What's he saying there? Well, first, let's look a little bit at the context of what Jesus is, is speaking into. What was the culture at the time? What's the, what's the way in which he's saying those words? What was family life like in Jesus' time? In lots of ways, family life would have been more simple, straightforward. Families would have been close and supportive. Respect was generally at the center of their family lives. And that might well sound appealing to us. How often do we hear people lamenting about the breakdown of family life in our country and that being the root of many of the challenges? But within that culture that Jesus spoke to, those really close family ties could also become a challenge. They could become a negative thing. People could feel as if they were tied to their family. Wives expected to submit to their husbands, Children, even when grown up, had very few rights of their own. It was their father who was still in charge. And that could lead to families that were dominated, not by love, but by fear and discipline, which could impact negatively on all that were involved. And there are various other accounts in the Gospels of the times when that happens. Jesus recognizes the negative way in which people were bound by their families and the need for them to find a way of living that was about freedom, not about fear. And he offers them a way to do that. In a way, what Jesus was saying, I believe, was turn your back on a social structure that is negative and find a better way of living. Jesus speaks to a culture where family life at times, at its worst, could be abusive and destructive and says, trust in God. Live a life in love, not a life of fear, which must transform all areas of your life, even that family life. Jesus speaks of freedom. Freedom from what binds people and takes them from God. So maybe that's a bit of a different way of looking at what Jesus has to say. And then perhaps we need to, secondly, to go a little bit wider, to look at some of the other times when Jesus speaks about family. Because Jesus has many positive things to say about family. In Mark chapter 1, Jesus is found healing. He heals Peter's mother-in-law. It was not long after he'd called the disciples to follow him and they were beginning their mission and ministry together. But he recognizes a concern for their families, for their loved ones. And where healing is needed, Jesus brings that healing about. Whether Peter thanked him for healing his mother-in-law is a whole other question. But we see Jesus there who has a care about families. When Jesus is on the cross, some of the last words that are recorded in John's Gospel are about family. Jesus says, it says in John's Gospel, when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing beside her, he said to his mother, woman, here is your son. Then he said to the disciple, here is your mother. 
And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. An example of Jesus' love for his own mother and his concern for what was going to happen to her once he was gone and committing her into the care of one of his disciples. That's not the example of someone who turns his back on his own family. And then perhaps a great insight into families from Jesus' point of view comes in one of his stories, the wonderful story of the prodigal son. It's actually a story, isn't it, of two sons. We often forget the other one. The first son, of course, asks for his share of the inheritance. He goes off and wastes it. The other son stays at home and is faithful to his dad. But actually, in both cases, the sons are loved by their father. When the one comes back who's wasted his time, we're told the father opens his arms and he welcomes him home. But the father also turns to the rather indignant other son and tells him he cares for him as well. A good model for us understanding God's love for us. A model of a good parent who allows their children to make their mistakes, to find their own way, to have the freedom to live life as they choose. A relationship that's based on love, not on fear. And it's a reminder of God's love for us, that even though we make mistakes, we turn our back on God, we go our own way, still he welcomes us back as part of his family. So when we look at what Jesus has to say about families in other places, we see someone who has a deep love for the people. He has a real heart for families where love and grace and forgiveness are at the center. Families where people are set free and allowed to live life to the full. I don't think Jesus is saying, if you want to follow me, you can't be part of a family. I think Jesus longs for families that are full of love, full of grace, that reflect the heart of God. Jesus speaks of a freedom from the things that bind people. So we thought something about the challenges of those words, something about the culture in which Jesus speaks, something about the other things he has to say about family. And then finally, just a little bit to think about what does that say to us today? What's the challenge for us this morning in this place? I think Jesus is saying to us, you need to be released from the things that bind you. The things that stop you living the fullness of life that God is offering to each one of you. What are the things that draw you from God? But he's also recognizing it's not easy. He's recognizing that what he's asking of people is a really big to ask. It's a really big commitment to follow Jesus with all the challenges that that brings. It means making him the number one priority in our lives. The reading speaks about not building a tower unless you plan carefully and build the foundations. It speaks of not going to war unless you think carefully about what you're doing. Wise words for our world at the moment. Jesus is saying, don't follow me lightly. Don't follow me just because you have nothing better to do. Don't follow me unless you're sure that you want to make a whole life commitment. 
that psalm that we read today, Psalm 139, it's my favorite psalm. It speaks of God's love for each one of us and the way in which that love surrounds us and binds us to God. It's a reminder that there's nothing any of us can do to stop God loving us. God loves us from the start to the end of our lives. And there's nothing we can do to stop him doing that. That's fantastic news for us. We can turn our back on him. We can break his heart by the things that we do. But still, like the prodigal son's father, he reaches out his arms in welcome and shares his love with us. If we take nothing else from this morning, just take that reminder of God's love for each one of us. But of course, God delights if we love him back. He delights if we'll return that love, if we commit ourselves to a life's journey of growing closer to him, to knowing his grace, to knowing his love, and what it means to be a follower of Christ to know forgiveness and freedom and the fullness of life that he offers. So it is a challenging reading for us, but it's a reading that brings freedom and hope about loosing ourselves from the things that hold us back from God. And for each of us, those things will be different. And towards the end of the service, we'll have a little reflection which might make us think about those things. But it might be work, money, family, possessions, security, maybe church traditions, church buildings, familiar ways of doing things, maybe entertainment or technology, getting caught up in busy lives. There'll be lots of things that can keep us from God. Things that come between us and him. He wants us to bring those things to him. And he wants to be part of those things to allow that transformation to take place. Loosing us from the things that bind us and filling us with love and with freedom. Jesus speaks of the freedom from what binds people. Jesus speaks to a world where fear and abuse were commonplace. Sadly, fear and abuse are still commonplace in our world today. But Jesus offers a different way of thinking, a different way of being, a transforming way. I have no idea how an escape artist gets to unlock those padlocks and take off those chains. I'm sure there's no miracles there. They simply know the tricks of their trades. But what God offers us is a miracle. What God offers us is a miraculous transformation, and he offers it to each one of us here today. A love that will never let us go as we bind ourselves to him. A life lived in the fullness of that love. A way of transformation from fear to freedom, all through his unending grace. Amen.